about with our friends, definitely not the first podcast featuring a discussion of pop culture and why we think you should like what we like. You should trust us, because we're librarians. I'm Anna, and I am coming to terms with the fact that it's going to be cold now. I'm Aline, and I have a giant warm cat on my lap. Every couple of weeks, we're going to chat about a couple of pop culture topics, what we think, how we feel. We'll end the show with our current obsessions. Today, we have a special sort of librarian-ish but <clears throat> still relevant to everyone Super who has eyeballs and ears. Eyeballs and ears. We recently attended what's called a book buzz. What is a book buzz, Anna? It's a place where you sit in a room and a bunch of publishers tell you what they think are the coolest upcoming books uh, for the spring. In some cases, they talk about books that are already out. In some cases, it's pretty clear that they have a big marketing push behind a certain book and so they're gonna keep pushing. So we heard about hundreds of books and we are here to share our picks of their picks. We were fortunate to attend the Tri-State Book Buzz. Even though we're not one of the Tri-States. <laughs> we, we have a connection so we got invited. They do this twice a year so this one was for the spring books and the one we attend in April is for the fall books. It sounded like you were about to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> I probably could have. Uh, there were 23 publishers who pre- 24 publishers presented at the book buzz we attended, and it was an all-day event. And if you wanted to look it up on Twitter, you could follow the hashtag AAP Librarian Book Buzz. That's right. Super long hashtag this time around. And we are going to be sharing books from most of the publishers, at least the ones who gave us handouts. Right. <laughs> or paper copies of books. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to alternate our picks. We're going to describe a little bit about the book, who it's by, when it's coming out, what publisher it's from, and then... Uh, you all are going to go out and buy it for yourselves or libraries, or you're going to be like, ugh, that sounds terrible. Yeah. Your your choice. (laughs) You get to decide. Up front, I will tell you that our show notes are going to include a whole lot of publishers to follow on Twitter and newsletters to subscribe to to keep up with this sort of thing because there is a lot of information out there and finding ways to organize it or make sure you're not missing any of it uh, is key to successful librarianing. Yeah, especially since you're not going to have time to read any of these books. Right. Before we get started, I want to uh, explain that they don't have very much time to talk about the books, and so they often resort to a series of buzzwords or for readers of this plus this. Yeah, mashups. Mashups. It's always like, it's Star Wars meets The Winter's Tale. (laughs) That sounds awesome. Right? So the ones that we noticed, we have a list that we will post a link to of ones that we tracked in the past. But the ones we noticed, Twisty was was used several times. Twisty or Twisted. Yeah, that was a theme There in were this a couple one. of things uh, that we, sh- we were warned we should have tissues handy. It was a tearjerker. Which is a surefire bet to get me not to want to read it. Yeah, forget that. Atmospheric, immensely moving, muscular prose. <laughs> a um, thoroughgoing delight. Yeah, that's a good one. Poised to blow up. That sounds dangerous. A lot of times there will be a certain touchstone book from recent past that they say this is like. For example, for a while it was The Fault in Our Stars. Recently it's been Gone Girl and the Girl on the Train. If you're talking thriller-esques. Uh, and 
Currently, it's H's for Hawk, apparently. So there were three times this was the, a book was likened to H's for Hawk, which was Which, to me, I haven't read it, but it seems like a pretty specific book. So, I guess it would be interesting to see how much those are actually like H's for Hawk. Right. But in the in the the idea is you're doing readers advisory. You want to know. Someone says I really love H's for Hawk. What the heck else are you supposed to give them? The idea is sound. And they are always in addition to buzzwords. The there are descriptors that come up more than once. And another one that came up was the first female something or other yep. that was being described in a book. There are often fictionalized biographical sort of tales or true biographies. I'm all for it. <laughs> Yeah, I want the first female everything. Just give it to me. Okay, so shall we get started? Sure. Is there an order to our madness or no? I think no, actually, now that I reviewed my list. Okay, I have a lot of things to mention, and I came at it with some order, but I am happy to Throw take a scattershot approach. No, yeah, that I think it'll be great. Uh, yeah, so I started out with categories, and then I just... Stopped having categories. Perfect. Except for fiction and nonfiction. I'm going to get my pen so I can mark off things when I mention them out of order. That's good. I have put everything in order so that it matches my order in my book. So I'm going to start with one of the more coveted books in all the land, (laughs) which I think has the prettiest cover as well. It's the copy of Norse Mythology by Neil Gaiman, which is Neil retelling Norse myths. Coming to us from Norton in February next year, we were lucky enough to get a couple of copies of this galley from Norton. Thank you, Golda. And I passed one on to my coworker who was very, very, very happy, and she said that she would pass it around, and I believe that it was the right decision to give it to her. She was incandescent with joy. That's great. Also, it is the prettiest cover in all the land. According to me... One of the things that Golda said about it is that the the myths stand alone as you are reading them, but there is also a narrative arc that threads through them all if you were to read it straight through. And I also have a backup related to that, also from Norton. They are publishing something called The Norse Myths, A Guide to Viking and Scandinavian Gods and Heroes, which if you were purchasing for your library in this area, you might want to buy as a companion book to Norse mythology, That's by Caroline Larrington and coming out in February 2017. And the last Norse mythology book I remember seeing on the shelves was an old one. Might even be the one we've got over there. So you should check that out. I will tell you about a book coming from Macmillan in... Do you need your glasses? (laughs) (laughs) It might be out already. Behind Her Eyes by Sarah Penborough, and you can follow people talking about this. It even has a hashtag campaign, which is WTF That Ending. The oh, it has campaign... four, it has four narrators. Right. I was just going to say the campaign behind this. They sent us uh, the book, and they also sent us the audiobook, which is read by four narrators, which is not a full cast recording, but it has the different points of view of the characters. And what imprint is that? It's from Macmillan, but it's not... Flatiron. It's uh, it's from Flatiron, so you know it's got to be good, because Flatiron is awesome. This is a book that is a crazy thriller with a big twist at the end, or something to that effect. Because <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. We haven't read it yet. We sort of assigned a colleague that who we met 
a Twitter friend who we met in person at the New England Library Association conference and asked her to read it and let us know what, and spoil the ending for us, because in uh, Life book campaigns, they don't want the ending spoiled, but librarians want the ending spoiled so that we can tell people to read it or tell people not to read it. Those of you who may know One Day by David Nichols know that this is something we need. Yeah, which reminds me, uh, while we were at NILA, we learned about a website called Spoilers Sweetie, where librarians are spoiling things for other librarians, award uh, winners at the moment, so that they know what the sticky topics might be when they're recommending books. It's a great website and they need volunteers. If you are interested in participating, you should get in touch with them because we need spoilers. Uh, readers advisors who don't have time to read everything in the world need spoilers to help connect our readers to the books they want to love. That's right. So I have a backup best cover pick <laughs> and that is a book called The Bedlam Stacks, which I made a joke was like a library life tweet <laughs> by Natasha Pulley, who wrote The Watchmaker of Filigree Street, also a great cover. And it just says, a treacherous quest in the magical landscape of 19th century Peru. That's all I need to know. I'm all set. So that is coming from Bloomsbury in August 2017. So it's a long way off, but I do have a copy. I love book covers, and I usually am grabbed by them. And one that came in the mail that I haven't that I looked at and then I gave away and then I don't remember. It was from Macmillan, so it's going to be early in this pile. It's called The Standard Grand by Corvino? J. Baron Nicorvo. Corvino Nicorvo. But it's called The Standard Grand, and I don't know anything about what it's about, but it's got beautiful trees on the cover since Anna's talking about the best cover. That was my pick for that. I am. What's next? So now... I have a pick for the best title, and that is I Love My Computer Because My Friends Live in It, Stories from an Online Life by Jess Kimball Leslie, coming from Running Press, which is a subsidiary of Ingram, I guess, in April 2017, and it's the memoir, it's part humorous memoir, part passionate defense of technology and its positive effect on our lives. So I am totally on board for that since most of my friends do live in the internet. <laughs> do they now? Yes. That's good. My pick for the best title is a memoir coming from Soho Press called Never Look an American in the Eye, Flying Turtles, Colonial Ghosts, and the Making of a Nigerian American, a memoir by Oki Ndibe. And that is already out? I think it might be already out from Soho Press. It just sounds like a good idea. Yeah, and you don't have to uh, write these down. If you're listening and interested, we will have links to all of them on our show page. And Soho has some interesting videos with the author available online, which I'm going to link to because they make the book more appealing. They give you a little idea of what the author's talking about in his memoir. I am going to segue on your memoir to an interesting sounding one, which I read some descriptions of, and it's almost impossible to figure out exactly what it's about, except the author's life. But it's by Melissa Fabos, who wrote Whip Smart, uh, which was about her brief career as a professional dominatrix. And I, I read parts of that in my pursuit of Rita Likes for Fifty Shades of Grey. 
So this is her follow-up memoir, and from the description it sounds super intense. And that is all I have. Super intense memoir. This sounds like it's gonna be one. It's called Abandon Me, and the cover has got like people's dis disembodied arms. <laughs> that is coming February 2017 from Bloomsbury. Taking off on the memoir and leaving it behind, I'm going <laughs> to rapidly mention some humor titles that caught my eye. Coming from Workman in April 2017 is Make Trouble by John Waters. Always good for a laugh, our John Waters. And Crazy old Maurice. <laughs> he's always good for a laugh. And The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness by Paula Poundstone coming in May of 2017. And the other, the third one that I am really interested in looking at is Get Your SH Asterisk T Together <laughs> by Sarah Knight coming in December. And Sarah Knight is the writer of The Life Changing Magic of Not Giving a F Asterisk CK <laughs> in the theme of The Life Changing Magic of Tidying Up. These are actually books that give you some guidelines. Not in, they're not total parodies of the works of the clutter-free. They are talking about, you know, letting go and being the person you are supposed to be in the context that you are supposed to be her. And I always appreciate that kind profanity of Profanity in book titles. <laughs> I love profanity in a book title, yes. And you'll notice that I did not make you have to bleep me later. Thank you. I appreciate that. In the humor vein, I am going to switch to fiction, and I'm interested in Confessions of a Domestic Failure by Bun Me Latitan, which is coming from Harlequin slash Mira in May next year. She is the creator of Honest Toddler, and toddlers are A, asterisk, asterisk, H-O-L-E-S. <laughs> so I know she's funny because I've seen Honest Toddler tweets on the Twitter. And it'll be interesting to see. They, they're they describing it as a hysterical fiction debut introducing readers to a character as flawed and lovable as Bridget Jones, which would be great. Jumping off on your mention of Harlequin Mira, one of the things that is missing from a lot of our book buzz endeavors is genre. We find that there are all of these great titles well, that sound really wonderful. Romance. Specifically romance, but there's not a lot of other genre. Mystery, there are thrillers. Think, yeah. The mysteries are mostly big name people, yeah, though. Yeah. You're not going to find a ton of debuts. There are There's some mention of workhorse authors in genres such as science fiction and fantasy and mystery. There, Harlequin, which is a major romance publisher for the last 7,000 years didn't mention any romances except one big name coming out in their presentation. And that's a real lack because almost all of the big publishers have a romance imprint and have are producing amazing work that we would like to read and that our patrons would like to read. So that's my little soapbox on that. The Harlequin Mirror book that I was going to mention was... The original Ginny Moon by Benjamin Ludwig, and I'm mentioning this because, of course, I tweeted about it, and the author was really grateful for my tweet. <laughs> so I was like, oh, he sounds nice. That Ginny Moon is described as a curious character. There is a whole lot going on with her in a lot of different ways, and um, 
it's a story that needs to be told. It's a debut fiction. It sounds it sounds compelling. It sounds what like is the weird. author's name? Benjamin Ludwig. When is it coming? Who knows? I didn't write that one down. I wrote down <laughs> all of the others. Most of these are coming in. Um, this is, I think this is the Harlequin one. I have it's it in my one. hand. Yep, it's the first one on the front. May. May 2017. We did make a lot of notes so that we wouldn't be rustling papers in your ears. We'll just delete most of the rustling. <laughs> but we're still going to rustle some. Russell, that's how you know we're serious. Russell, Russell, Russell. Russell, he's a nice guy. Oh, Russell Wilson. <laughs> I really love the, co the cover of The Impossible Fortress by Jason Reculak. Which is a dazzling debut novel. Dazzling. Dazzling. Is it incandescent? I hope so. Is it poignant? Um, move charming, moving, <gasps> but not dazzling or incandescent. A coming of age story. Coming of age Always story. Always popular. Right. So Simon and Schuster coming in February two thousand seventeen. It's about a fourteen year old boy who is pretending to be in love with a girl whose dad owns a convenience store. So that he can steal a Playboy from the convenience store. But he finds out that she is super smart and maybe his computer-loving soulmate. It's set in 1987. So if you're into nostalgic, charming romance and moving coming-of-age stories, this could be the book for you. Is it for readers of Ready Player One? It may be. I was thinking it might be. It could be. There were... A lot of books that we were captured by, you know, we'd be like, ah, when they heard of them. And it looks like there is a ton of nonfiction on my list as I'm flipping Mine through too, my which list. Is weird. It's really, it's kind of interesting. But before, I think as a segue from fun to nonfiction, oh no. Um, what are you saying? Nonfiction can be fun. <laughs> right, right. Not all of this nonfiction sounds really fun, but North I'm mythology. actually going to jump off from your book by a dude about a dude. I'm going to mention the sophomore outing by Nicholas Butler, who wrote Shotgun Love Songs uh, a few years back, which I loved against all of my instincts. I couldn't put it down <laughs> because it's it was about these four guys who grew up together in Wisconsin. It is not a book that anyone would have expected me to pick up, and I, I loved it. So his new book coming out in March from HarperCollins is called The Hearts of Men, and it's about two dudes who grew up together who are reunited when something unspeakable happens at the camp that they attended when they were kids. Well, on that note, <laughs> I'm going to segue to nonfiction here. So, Other Press has a book that's out now by John Preston called A Very English Scandal. Sex, Lies, and a Murder Plot at the Heart of the Establishment, which is a story of a political political scandal in England in the 1970s, described as both farcical and tragic. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about a major politician who was a uh, homosexual, and this was when, when it was illegal in England, had an affair with someone who then just kept coming back and coming back and having to be paid off and he uh the i read an article where um someone said perhaps he said will no one rid me of this troublesome gay so apparently it all wound up with someone trying to kill the guy who was blackmailing him and then he was on trial and it sounds fascinating and it's all real so i love stories like that i am 
a great fan of Ripped from the Headlines. See also Law and Order. <laughs> there were tons of cookbooks that were mentioned, and I didn't write down any of the titles of them specifically, except, of course, coming from Sterling Books in April 2017, Moonshine Mixology. You can always count on Sterling to have gorgeous books on wine or on whiskey or on cooking. Uh, the subtitle of Moonshine Mixology is... For flavoring spirits and mixing cocktails. Over 50 recipes. Sounds good. Having something to jump off of moonshine is uh, is really great because all of those artisanal small batch distilleries have a moonshine in their line these days. I'm going to segue us back to rip from the headlines. Oh, good. Since we're on Sterling and talk about the New York Times Book of Crime, which is more than 164 years of covering the beat. Now, I'm not a huge true crime fan, but I feel like if they were in bite-sized enough pieces coming from the New York Times, I would probably be super interested. So that one is coming in March 2017. And I have a couple for popular scientists, or the popular science lovers among us. Coming from Norton in May 2017 is... Astrophysics for People in a Hurry by Neil deGrasse Tyson, the astrophysicist for the people. If you don't know him and love him already... Little G said he was watching Cosmos, I think. Really? I just put Cosmos on display because I have a popular science display going on right now. Well, you could have this book. And also, coming from Ingram is Beyond Infinity, From Uncountable Numbers to a Chicken Sandwich Sandwich. An Exploration of Math's Biggest Topic by Eugenia Chang, who is hilarious and charming and adorable. (laughs) And you should follow her on Twitter, and you should listen to her stories, and you should read her books, because she's awesome. Now that I look at it, almost all my remaining picks are nonfiction, which is very strange. I have some fiction that I'll lay in. I do think that a lot of the nonfiction ones I'm picking with an eye toward purchasing for the library. Yeah. Like the true crime book would definitely go in my library. And here's one that I think would be good to have. It's called You're in the Wrong Bathroom and 20 Other Myths and Misconceptions About Transgender and Gender Nonconforming People by Laura Erickson Schroff and Laura A. Jacobs. And it's coming from Beacon Press in May. And I think something like that would be good to have on your library shelves. On the on the nonfiction topic that has collected information is writing hard stories, celebrated memoirists who shaped art from trauma, collected by Melanie Brooks, also coming from Beacon Press in February 2017. This includes works by Andre Dubas III, Mark Doty, Edwige Danticat, Michael Patrick McDonald, and other writers that you've heard of. Oh, Kate Bornstein. Um, and they're talking about the process of writing their most painful memories. A lot of our readers really enjoy reading super traumatic memoirs, and this is a writer's writing about writing those memoirs that can be very interesting for those who enjoy the craft. On a lighter note, <laughs> I have from Quirk Books... Coming in May 2017, The Spectacular Sisterhood of Superwomen, Awesome Female Characters from Comic Book History, edited by Hope Nicholson. Talking chronicles the successful but largely unknown female characters in comic books history like Tomboy, Jaguar, and Street Angel. Cool. I'll be ordering that. I did already order from them 
the Legion of Regrettable Supervillains. Quirk books can be counted upon to have great things. Yes. They published uh, Miss Peregrine, and their... Did they publish Horror Store, or was that someone else? I think they might have published Horror Store. We can look it up. It seems like it. But Quirk Books had the pick of the day for me, the best pick of everything, and that is Cat Castles, 20 Cardboard Habitats You Can Build Yourself by Karen Oliver. And friend of the podcast, Anne Heathen, had the chance to review it and will be sending us her copy. We'll be posting pictures of our attempts. Tiki Handsome Cat, Bean Secretly Brown Cat, and Tosca Tiny Cat look forward to it. <laughs> Uh, I've got another nonfiction pick next up. Maybe I'll just go through all of these. It is a photo book called Through Darkness to Light, Seeking Freedom on the Underground Railroad. So the photographer, Janine Michna-Bale, spent years researching and reconstructing a possible Underground Railroad route from the south to Canadian border, and she has published a book with a series of images along that path. And that is coming February from Princeton Architectural Press. Also coming from Princeton Architectural Press in May of 2017 is Right Sites, which is the only travel book to cover all of the Frank Lloyd Wright buildings and sites that are open to the public. And this is one that I am going to see if I can get my hands on for my mom, who has added falling water to her list of places to see. She's been bucketing the out of things for the last several years, and I am hoping that she gets to do that, and that might she might find a whole lot of other stuff that she wants to see. I enjoyed peering through the gates at a few Frank Lloyd Wright sites in Oak Park, Illinois, on a trip several years back. Victoria is one of my favorite English monarchs. Do Not you, Wait, do you have a list of your top ten English <clears throat> monarchs? Top ten, top ten. Well, I have a fondness for Richard II, no, Richard I, due to Robin Hood. Okay. It's unrelated to anything he might have actually done as a monarch. I like Ethelred like the Unready. I like Ethelred the Unready, obviously. Eddie I Izzard. like <laughs> William the Conqueror because the Battle of Hastings uh, is cool. I like Queen Anne. I like the Regency period, so I have to like the Regent, even though he was terrible, most likely. I like uh, Elizabeth I, obviously. Obviously. I like, um... <laughs> Why are you looking at me that way? But we digress. She was talking about <laughs> Richard the Third. I like Richard the Third. Who could not like Richard the Third after reading Daughter of Time? Is that the horse guy? Yes. Okay. Anyway, pretty soon... Or maybe even now, there will be a PBS presentation of uh, Victoria docu, not documentary. Um, it's a PBS masterpiece. PBS masterpiece on Victoria. Victoria. So there's a book written by Daisy Goodwin, who wrote um, American Heiress. Its subtitle is A Novel of a Young Queen. So it's about the young Victoria who gained the throne at 18 in a hair, and how was you know what was that like for her? Just an interesting thing. Oh, Victoria. I do enjoy a queen. I want to go back to um, nonfiction. I never left. Well, Vic, that's a novel of a young queen. I know, but... Right, okay. This one is goes back to uh, not queens, though. And it is published by Other Press in 
January. It's coming kind of soon. It's called Is It All in Your Head? True Stories of Imaginary Illness by Suzanne O'Sullivan, MD. So you know she's writing for real. It is a neurologist's insightful and compassionate look into the misunderstood world of psychosomatic disorders told through individual case histories. I'm really interested in this because we saw a CBS Sunday morning segment on placebos where a woman who had suffered for years and years and years and years and years was given a placebo, knew she was taking a placebo, and her symptoms disappeared. And I think that the human mind is extremely powerful. I know that mine can sure mess me up without my consent. And I think that it would be very interesting to see a little bit more about how our bodies respond to what our brains do to us. And this is a, um, this is a compassionate take on it. It's not... <laughs> Crazy people. <laughs> You're just making this stuff up. I do like the title. Yeah, the, it, it was one of the good titles that we, we that caught. And one of the descriptions... Now, we've talked a little bit about buzzwords and the publishing employees, marketers who are presenting things to us always liken people to things, and this doctor is characterized as the next Oliver Sacks, which is a big pair of shoes to fill, and I hope that it is readable and enjoyable, whether she's the next Oliver Sacks or not. I think you should segue into your... And so I'm going to segue into a memoir that is coming from Bloomsbury, and I can't remember, I didn't write down the date on this one either, and it's called Insomniac City, New York, Oliver, and Me. And it's by Bill Hayes, and it's coming in February. It's coming out on Valentine's Day <laughs> because it's Oliver Sacks's uh, lover, talk writing a memoir about their life together. And if you don't know the story of Oliver Sacks not being out until he was not and not falling in love for real until he was seventy, then you should check it, Google it, or look it up on Wikipedia or something. And this is a memoir written by his lover after Oliver's death, which... <laughs> Sniffle. I'm sorry. Thank you for reminding me to talk about it, though, because of the segue. <laughs> I appreciate I'm that. I'm all about segueing. We love a segue. Uh, so I'm going to segue into a memoir about Margaret Weiss Brown, <laughs> called uh, author of Goodnight Moon, called In the Great Green Room. Margaret Weiss Brown died at 42. She apparently had a wild and adventurous life Affairs with Men and Women, I Don't Know What Else, I Want to Read the Book and Find Out. We have the galley on the piano bench. It's going to change my perspective on Midnight Moon forever, I'm pretty sure, and <laughs> yeah, that's fine with me. It's by Amy Gary, and it's coming out in January. From Macmillan. Excellent. Right? Yeah. Is this a good time to talk about our speakers? Yeah, this is a great time. As we are hurtling through our, our buzzing books, one of the really great things about a book buzz event like this is that some of these publishers managed to bring their charming and erudite authors to speak to us in person and look us in the eyes and make us love them. And for breakfast, we got to have Jessica Shattuck, who's the Women in the Castle, is coming from William Morrow, HarperCollins, in April of 2017. It is World War II-ish. And I don't remember very much else about it, but she was really nice, and she lives in Cambridge. And the lunch, the lunch speaker, I fell in love. His name is Rakesh Satyal. He is an editor with Atria Books, and he has a novel coming out called No One Can Pronounce My Name 
from Picador, which, which is an you imprint with, of yes. Macmillan. Oh yeah, you you have uh, you know if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen me post BuzzFeed lists about people mispronouncing your name or not being able to say your name, and so of course I identified with the title, and it has a hot pink cover with blue striped tie on it, so it's like I think a, you should it's read, like sorry cloth. You should read the description as well uh, from the back of it. Yeah. Okay. It it does. It sounds so good, and I'm not going to be able to do it justice trying to paraphrase, so I will read. read it. In a suburb outside Cleveland, a community of Indian Americans has settled into lives that straddle the divide between Eastern and Western cultures. For some, America is a bewildering and alienating place where co-workers can't pronounce your name, but will eagerly repeat the Sanskrit phrases from their yoga class. Harit, a lonely Indian immigrant in his mid-40s, lives with his mother who can no longer function after the death of Harit's sister, Swati. In a misguided attempt to keep both himself and his mother sane, Harit has taken to dressing up in a sari every night to pass himself off as his sister. Meanwhile, Ranjana, also an Indian immigrant in her mid-forties, has just seen her only child, Prashant, off to college. Worried that her husband has begun an affair, she seeks solace by writing paranormal romances in secret. When Harit and Ranjana's paths cross, they begin a strange yet necessary friendship that brings to light their own passions and fears. Doesn't that sound amazing? It does. Yeah, and it's big and fat, and I cannot wait to start reading it. Also, he has a cabaret act, and he sang at us. He sang us a song. And he was so charming, and I started following him on Twitter, and he continues to be charming, and he's sort of my new best secret internet friend. It's not a secret anymore. Shh. I have a kind of a weird pick next. Still in nonfiction because apparently that's who I am now. <laughs> Seems unlikely. Uh, it's called Phenomena, the Secret History of the U.S. Government's Investigations into Extrasensory Perception. And I picked it because I felt like this is a book that Fox Mulder would want an advanced review copy of so that he could say, no, that's not right. That's not what they did. <laughs> If you really want to know what they did. <laughs> I can tell you. It's by Annie Jacobson. It's coming from Little Brown in March 2017. The definitive history of the military's decades-long investigation into boundary-pushing mental phenomena. Like the men who stare at goats, I presume. Perfect. <laughs> Read alike. <laughs> I don't have anything that is a good segue left on that, so I will give you one that you can segue back somehow from. <laughs> and <that laughs> so, coming from Penguin Random House in March of 2017 is The Confessions of Young Nero by Margaret George. Margaret George, you probably know, is a historical fiction writer of great renown, and uh, choosing to write about the emperors of Rome is always interesting. Uh, we just can't get enough of ancient Rome. No, we can't. And there were so many emperors and so many statesmen and so many just regular people to learn about and write about. This one should be a good one. I have got one more nonfiction book. <laughs> Before I go back to my comfort zone. <laughs> and it is called, and I think I've already ordered this from my library, it's called Dust Bowl Girls by Lydia Reader. And it is coming from Algonquin, January 2017. It is about a female college basketball team in the 1930s. It's billed as The Boys in the Boat Meets A League of Their Own. Which, 
I'm Shut sold. <laughs> sold. That's all we need to know. I think I might have run out of nonfiction, which is interesting. I just did. Did you run out of nonfiction? Okay. I just did. Um, I will tell you two quick things from the New York Review of Books. They often take make new translations or they find they bring old things from long being out of print and they come up to um and they put these stuff this stuff out so that you can get your hands on it and two that are coming out are down below by Leonora Carrington this is a memoir in the vein of the bell jar and oh, great. You, <laughs> for all of your tortured young women and um, Ernesto by Umberto Saba is coming out in February of 2017. And this is a classic in the canon of LGBT writing. It is about a gay young man in Italy, which is in itself an interesting idea. And it's being re-released so it can come out and be in our libraries. I lied about my nonfiction. <laughs> Because you my did. favorite nonfiction Your absolute book, favorite book. This is the one. Which I have a copy of and have started reading. It's called Castle, A History of the Architecture That Shaped Medieval Britain by Mark Morris. It's a Pegasus Books release. It's coming out April next year. I will be ordering it for my library since I have the 930s. <laughs> How convenient. Already I have learned that castles were not an English invention. They came over with the French and there are pictures of castles in the Bayou Tapestry, which there are pictures of inside this book, and it is written in an accessible and cool style, and I am excited. This may be the book I'm most excited about, because I'm a big castle dork. <laughs> I can vouch for that. <laughs> Did you want to talk about the other book coming from Pegasus? Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. There's also a book by... Alexandra Dumas, Red Sphinx, which is like a sequel to The Three Musketeers, and as a young girl, I was a Three Musketeers nut, as all young girls are. <laughs> I read it many, many times. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, but anyone that knows... I have never read The Three Musketeers. Anyone that knows me will be like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Yes. So I would totally read The Red Sphinx also. <laughs> Excellent. I am almost out of books. Me too. I have three more. So Simon and Schuster coming in March from Scribner, actually, The Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane by Lisa C. Your readers know and love Lisa C. This is the story of a Chinese woman whose daughter was adopted by an American couple. And so it's got interracial adoption and the pursuit of family as themes. And your readers will be looking forward to it. I am looking at my Twitter feed to figure out what we learned about that we don't have handouts for. And I am seeing the book, Why I Am Not a Feminist, colon, A Feminist Manifesto. Right. By... Uh, at the book slut. <laughs> I'll have to bleep myself now. From Melville House, which is a critique of feminism, as I understand it, and sounds very interesting. I lied. I have other books to talk about. <laughs> and the one that I picked up because Lori Frankel lives in Seattle and I met her at a party and she was really nice 
is called This Is How It Always Is, and it's coming out in January, and it's another one I'm not going to be able to do justice to, so I'm going to read the back of it to you. It is a note from Lori Frankel herself that says, Dear Early Readers, This Is How It Always Is is about a family of five boys, the youngest of whom becomes a girl. This novel has required something of a leap of faith on my part, so I want to introduce myself and share a little bit about why I took it. I have only one child, a smart, funny, currently front-toothless second grader, but she too used to be a little boy, and is now a little girl, a trans girl, like the youngest child of the family in this book. She is why sharing this story, even though it's fiction, requires some bravery. She's also why I've done it anyway. There are so many kids like mine, families like mine, families unlike mine, who don't conform in other ways. I hope this book will find them and do what all good books do, which is make us feel more connected, more understood, and less alone. Over the course of This Is How It Always Is, the characters come to realize that telling their stories and secrets is hard and scary and sometimes dangerous, but they must do it anyway because that's how life gets better for everyone. And this is what I came to realize over the course of this book as well. So with courage and a little mild panic, I humbly present This Is How It Always Is, I hope you will find it to be a compelling, provocative, heartfelt story about a family that will appeal to any reader who has ever been a part of one. I believe, to the tips of my toes, that writing and reading and sharing stories is how we make the world a better place. I bet you think so, too. Thank you, thank you for allowing me to share this story with you. Very warm wishes, Lori Frankel. So, yeah, get that in your libraries and read it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, switching over to fiction... Roxanne Gay has a new book coming out. It's a series of short stories called Difficult Women coming from Grove Atlantic in January. And I'm you're just going to want to have that book. Yes. If you, Roxanne Gay, you, you ha got to have her. My last two, three, dang, <laughs> I keep coming up with more. I will do one more fiction and then I have two nonfiction. Coming from Grove Atlantic in December is Out of Bounds. Karen Peary returns in this Val McDermott book. Fans of Karen Peary. And we... Uh, we are fans of Val McDermott. We are huge fans of Val McDermott. We have a goofy, goofy picture of me with her at a breakfast. Was it a breakfast? Yes, it was a breakfast where I was fawning over her and she graciously allowed Anna to take a picture of me with her. And she and her partner got married this week. on Sunday. Yep. And there were adorable pictures posted by deliriously happy them Wedding and goers. their friends that we enjoyed. I have some mysteries to talk about. Ragdoll is a delightfully dark debut police procedural set in London. Sold. It's by Daniel Cole. It's coming from... HarperCollins, April 2017, described as four readers of Town of French sold. <laughs> but the detective becomes the target of the ragdoll killer, an elusive psychopath infamous for sewing together the body parts of six unknown victims. So like a Frankenstein thing or like a Silence of the Lambs making a girl suit out of real girls Or thing? like a human cent centipede thing. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. So as long as it doesn't skew too much toward gross... I'm into it. Be very careful. <laughs> and on that topic, this is... Uh, Which topic was that? <laughs> <laughs> Gross? I don't know. Coming in February from Algonquin is Cannibalism, A Perfectly Natural History by Bill Shute. It looks 
really like a good popular work of nonfiction, which I can tell you there has not been a work like this on cannibalism. All of the all of the titles published on cannibalism have really been either prurient fiction or super scholarly and are I'm looking forward to this and I'm actually gonna read it because I knew someone who was very interested in cannibalism forever and ever and uh I traveled to Fiji where cannibalism was practiced more recently than in many parts of the world and consider it pretty interesting myself. So you could give that a try. The cover has a really beautiful painting of a frog eating another frog. That's so sweet. Isn't it? Um, I have been interested in this series called the Linda Walheim series set in Mormon, Utah. Ever since I heard about the first book, The Bishop's Wife by Meta Ivy Harrison. Oh, yeah, yeah, her. Because I am from Utah. Yes, you are. So, I'm curious, I'm very curious to see what, you know, she's from Utah and she's in that setting and she's writing about it. And the descriptions of all the books, this is number three, For Time and All Eternities, and it deals with polygamy, but she is not afraid of attacking hard topics. So if you're interested in a, 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 a kind of a different setting for mysteries, having to do with faith, if you, maybe if you like the Julia Spencer Fleming ones, uh, I think this would be a good uh, choice for you. Excellent. And for reals, the last title I have, <laughs> I swear to you, for reals, I have flipped through a bunch of times. The last one I have is Havana, A Subtropical Delirium by Mark Kurlansky. If you know Mark Kurlansky, you know that he writes popular nonfiction that is super readable. He has a little bit of a mad scientist thing going on. He is a great guy. He's written about cod. He's written about salt. He's written about paper. He's written about the Basques. And this is uh, a book about Havana. And he, unlike most Americans, has been traveling to Havana for the last 30 years. And he probably knows Havana better than any American does and has written this book sort of tracing Havana's mystique for the last 30 years and talking about its place in the world and how it's changed. And I'm looking forward to it. I forgot to say that Four Time and All Eternities is from Soho Crime in January. Thank you. You're welcome. So my last pick, we did this very well, we're very good. We did. Is All Are Wrong Todays by Ilan Mastai, coming from um, Dutton in February. And it's about a guy who is from a different 2016, a utopian 2016. A utopian 2016? Where everything that was promised to us in the 50s, you know, flying cars and so on, has happened. It's beautiful. And he accidentally ends up in our 2016, which oh, seems no. terrible to him, except he discovers that the alternate versions of his family have some maybe interesting, unexpectedly good qualities and he might find romance and so his question is should he fix the timeline or not <laughs> so i am looking forward to reading this very much this is one that one of our friends told us we had to read she was adamant that we read it we will have to give it a go and report back yep i think we're done we're done with these books. <sighs> we have all kinds of other things to talk to you about.
Until but, next time. <laughs> but you have to wait until next time. <laughs> what is your musical obsession, My Anna? My musical obsession is one that I've had for 30 years or so, give or take. I'm just going to play a little bit of it, and then you're going to be like, you're weird. <laughs> Once again. Are you ready? Yes. So, when I have a writing project to do, I like to listen to music, but I can't listen to anything that has words. And I like to listen to things on repeat. So what I do is I queue up all of my versions of that song by J.S. Bach, called Jesu, Joy of Man's Desiring, or possibly Jesu. How do I know? I'm not religious. <laughs> or German. <laughs> And I just listen to them straight through, and then I start them over again. I have a nice bluegrass one. <laughs> I have a Dutch women's choir one. Anyway, I'm as obsessed as I've ever been. So, my musical <laughs> obsession has been my musical obsession for a while now, and I don't think that I have had it be my musical <laughs> Does obsession. Does it wait for it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Huh. Of course it is. <laughs> I don't know, I was just guessing. But I don't think that we have gone all Hamilton-y on... Our musical obsessions. We have like four or five. Do so we? I guess that's not all Hamilton. <laughs> no, because there's tracks. 43 tracks. And so if there's only four or five on the musical obsession list, we're doing okay. But wait for it is this last weekend, last Friday, we watched the Hamilton documentary on PBS with all of our friends on the internet. And it started over again as it ended. And I came very close to making Anna stay up long enough to watch the whole thing again. I watched most of it. Let's she, not um, beat around the bush here. She, but she resisted watching the whole thing again. And Wait For It continues to be the song that tears me up. I listen to Hamilton in the car all the time. And if I am not in the car long enough to get to Wait For It when I start at the beginning, then I make sure to go forward and hear it at least once. And if I'm in a long car trip where I have time to get through the whole two and a half hour show, I still play Wait For It three or four times when it comes up because I like it so much. I and asked Little G for a request the other day and that's what he said. That's because he's my dude, Little G is. <laughs> and it seeing little snippets of it and seeing Leslie Odom Jr. in the documentary just made me all wait for it again. That's why I was able to predict your musical obsession <laughs> so accurately. <laughs> What's your regular obsession, Anna? My regular obsession is the new Town of French book, The Trespasser, which I am listening to on audio, although my copy just expired, even though Access 360 said it was going to expire 1026. And by my clock, it is still 1025, Axis 360. Not that I'm bitter. But anyway, as I mentioned last episode, the ton of French books are narrated by people with glorious Irish accents. Which lose something in the translation when Anna starts speaking in them. I can't. It's very hard <laughs> not to say fair play to you. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, I have, I had, before it was deleted from my phone cruelly, <laughs> 46 minutes left in the wrapping up of this mystery. Luckily, being a smart person, I have the book in my bag from my library so I can read the rest out loud to you. With an Irish accent? Yeah. Great. 
Great. What's your obsession? So my obsession is often binge-watching a TV show. And we were, when we were in New York, in our hotel room, we accidentally happened on, like, episode three of Arrow in some sort of little Arrow block party, an Arrowthon on some channel. And so we watched three or four episodes of Arrow. Anna had seen at least the first two seasons, and I had not seen it at all, but I remember seeing a lot of internet talk about shirtless training scenes, <laughs> and Arrow does not do it for me at all. You mean so, the guy. Right. What's his name? Stephen Amell? Yeah. He, so I just had no interest. And so we watched a couple of these episodes with Anna trying to explain to me who everyone is. <laughs> there really Which are is, a lot of characters. There's really a lot of characters. But also, I, I am a great fan of the melodrama of a comic book as it translates to a movie or a TV show. This is right up my alley. And the very clear good and evil things and the crazy fashion and the ridiculousness. Oh, this guy has a hood on. I've never seen him before. You know, put some glasses on. What's your name? And I, I, I think that kind of thing is just ludicrous. And I love the requirement of the suspension of disbelief. And we came home and I started watching the pilot of Arrow. And then I caught up to where we were in the Arrowthon that we were watching. And I'm kind of obsessed I'm more obsessed with binge watching a TV show in general. General. Than general. I am in general. <laughs> I was going to say generically, okay. but I am enjoying watching Arrow because it's very much a love to hate kind of thing, where you can shout at the TV screen and you can think bad things about these thin characters. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm—I don't mean to offend any huge Arrow fans who are out there, uh, but I'm. I'm kind of having fun with it, and if I want to go through a box full of files or something, I'll probably put on a couple of episodes and keep going. On a related note, I'm also very glad that Supergirl is back with us. Yes. New episodes of Supergirl. Speaking of, a great comic book adaptation with a lot of heart. It's gotten a little, a little raw. Yeah, it has. On its new station. Yeah. We want it was very family friendly the first season and the second season is not as family friendly. Yeah, we're going to have to keep an eye on that. Yeah. But apparently their first lesbian character is in the episode that we have yet to watch. I know. I'm very excited. That is family friendly, I would like to add. Yes. It was just a little languagey. Somebody called somebody a son of a B asterisk TCH. <laughs> yes, they did. Well, I think that's all we have today, which if you enjoyed this hour of us talking about books, <laughs> you should come see us at a conference sometime. Yes. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm Anna, and you can find me online at Helga Grace, H-E-L-G-A-G-R-A-C-E. I'm Aline, and you can find me on Twitter at Surly Spice, S-U-R-L-Y-S-P-I-C-E. The number one spice. <laughs> the number one spice. Our in and out music was provided by Julie Jurgens. You can find her on Twitter at Hi Miss Julie, H-I-M-I-S-S-J-U-L-I-E. 